Connors T, how are ye? Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast and episode 174. My name is Aaron and this is going to be a story told by my sister Surika, Mish and Dubrish. It's a bit of a mental story. It's uh, actually linked to Kyun Fion Tro. So if you listen to the epic of Fion McCool defending Ireland from the king of the world, well, this is a little post story after that. So you might want to go back and listen to the four-parter that we made, Jesus, a couple of years ago now, episode 42 to 44, to be exact, the Battle of Entry. Now, thanks to all those who've supported us on patreon.com forward slash candidates. Thanks for reaching out, finding out about our live shows and just sending a lot of love. But for now, the great story of Mish and Doverish, told by Sarah Gagarty. Hey, Sarah, tell us a story, will you? Mish and Dovrish. Long ago there was a battle at Ventry Bay. The king of the world and all his armies tried to invade the island of Ireland, and Fionn and the Fianna drove them back, fought them away, slaughtered their armies, and all save one, they say, were killed by the Fianna. But there is rarely only one who survives. And so it was with the Battle of Ventry. The daughter of the King of the World had come with her father. He expected an easy conquest. He thought nothing of taking her with him. A girl who was used to fine things. A girl who was used to gold and music and feasting, and fine silks, and fine wines, and little in the way of hardship. And so she came with her father, and for a year she waited on the ships, watching his army be whittled away, watching her father's growing obsession, helpless Unable to do anything. She was not a fighter. She was not a warrior. She was not a strategist. She was a child. And all she could do was watch. As everything she knew was drowned in blood. And the waters of Ventry Bay. And after the final battle. When the strand was soaked red with the blood of her family. Something broke in the daughter of the king of the world. And she went mad. And she fled. Away from the sea and up into the mountains. And there she stayed. And there she changed. Witness to death and destruction and violence she became deadly and destructive and violent. She learned to live by herself, alone in the wilds, a wild woman, a wild creature. And as time went on, there was less of humanity about her and more and more of the wild beast. She grew hair all over her body. She sharpened her fingernails into claws She filed her teeth to points. 
She hunted the animals of the mountains. She hunted unwary travellers as well. She took her meals where she could get them raw and bloody. And people began to avoid that haunted place. Tell stories of the terrible creature, more beast than man, that roamed those hills. They skirted around. They left her to her solitude and her rage. For long, long, long years, until the time of the Fianna passed. And there was a new king in the area. And he developed a curiosity about this haunted mountains. This place that no one could go. And so he asked. He gathered the wise and he asked them, What was it? What was it that kept that place so dangerous? What was the nature of the creature that lived there? Was there any way it could be defeated or driven off? And most did not know. You surmised that some creature had wandered in from the other world and made its territory there, and a great hero would be needed to drive it off at point of sword, or an army gathered together with fire and steel might march against the beast and drive it away. But there was a storyteller who knew, who told the king the story of the daughter of the king of the world, the child who had seen her family die, who had lost everything and been driven wild with grief. And when the king heard that, he felt only pity for this poor creature, lost to humanity, far from home. And so, the king offered a reward. He said that anyone who could go and tame her and bring her back, this girl that had once been called Mish, anyone who could do that would get his reward, his thanks, his gratitude, his treasures and his gifts. And so attempts were made. People went up into the mountains. And sometimes they came back down, white-faced and terrified, with stories of a creature that had stalked them in the night. And sometimes they did not come back at all. And the king began to lose hope that anyone could tame the creature, the monster of Sleevemish. Until one day a poet came to him, a man named Dovrish, and Dovrish offered to go and bring back the lost princess. Dovrish took little enough with him. His harp, a cloak, some extra clothing, and some gold that he begged from the king. And he climbed up into those mountains. And as soon as he set foot in that mountain range, he had a feeling that he was being watched. 
And as he climbed up the peaks, the feeling only grew more and more oppressive. But Doverish did not show any fear. He didn't look over his shoulder. He didn't look behind him. He didn't try to find who or what was watching him. Because he knew. And he climbed on until he came to a nice spot, up at the top of Caharblaw, where the flowers grew wild. And there, he spread out his cloak. And onto the cloak, he laid out those gold pieces, so they glinted in the sunlight. And then he took off his clothes, and he laid them down beside him. And he started to play. He played soft music and then fast music, and then slow music, and gentle music. He played until his fingers were sore, and then he played some more. And all the time he played, he could feel that feeling of being watched. And he felt it when it changed. Dovrish was a musician who'd played in King's Halls for many years, and he could tell when he had an audience in the palm of his hands. And he changed the rhythm to something coaxing, gentle, friendly. And when he looked up on the other side of his cloak, he saw her, crouched like an animal, hair all over her body, the hair on her head matted and tangled with two eyes that glinted like the eyes of animals from out among the mats of hair. And he didn't stop playing. He didn't falter. But he let the music get softer, quieter. And then he smiled and said hello. And the creature at the other end of the cloak that had once been a child, once been a princess... She reached out a clawed hand, caked in dirt, long, sharp fingernails, and she stirred the gold pieces together with the claw at the end of her finger. And she said, in a voice that was creaky and rusty from disuse, What's that? Doverish showed no surprise at hearing her speak. He smiled again and said, That's gold. And Mish said, I remember gold. And Doverish kept playing his soft, sweet music. And then Mish, closer now, although he had not seen her move, reached out her clawed hand and gestured at the harp he was playing and said, What's that? And Doverish said, It's a harp. I'm playing music. And she looked at him a long time, considering. And then she said, I remember music. I remember harps. And she was close beside him now. And she looked down at his lap. And she pointed in between his legs and she said, What's that? 
and he said, That's my tricking stick. And she said, What trick does it do? And so very carefully and very gently he put his harp aside and very carefully and very gently and very tenderly he touched her and caressed her and he showed her and then she said do it again and he said no I need to rest and we should eat it's time for us to eat now and Mish leapt up from the cloak and ran into the forest and came back a moment later dragging a freshly slaughtered deer she had torn out its throat with her bare teeth and she flung it down before Dovrish and then she dug her clawed hands into the deer's belly and pulled out its insides and started to stuff meat into her mouth raw and bloody and Dovrish said hold on let me show you something and he built a fire and he skinned the deer and he cooked the meat and he fed her cooked meat a hot meal and then he played music to her until she fell asleep and he covered her with the cloak now it was early summer when Doverish went up into the Sleeve Mesh Mountains and it was many months before anyone heard of him and the king of that country had begun to give him up for dead but all that summer long Dovrish spent his time reminding Mish of her lost humanity showing her how to bathe how to cook her meat before she ate it how to be kind showing her by example reminding her of speech and music and stories and kindness and love and all the things that she'd been missing up here in the mountains on her own all the things that she'd forgotten and some things she'd never known and at the end of the summer Dovrish and Mish came down the mountains and Dovrish brought her to the king and introduced her as his wife and he turned down the king's gifts the wealth he had been promised because Dovrish already had a better prize than he could have hoped for he and Mish had found each other on the mountains and they lived together for a time This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie. And we're on all social media, so like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales or send us a message or get onto our mailing list. For more videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist. Hashtag Candlelittletales. Liking and subscribing to our channel really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website.
We also do really like to hear back from you with your questions and requests. So please feel free to contact us directly or leave your question in the comments section below. Because what we really want to do is get these stories out there. Share them with as many people as possible. So anything you can do to help, we really appreciate. And we really appreciate you listening. Gurmila Magar.